Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. As you're finishing conversations, that was just awesome to see watching you guys interact. As you're finishing conversations and sitting down, do me a favor, help me preach this morning. Turn to a neighbor and just tell your neighbor it's time. Tell your neighbor it's time. Awesome. Now turn to your other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time, and, and tell the, and, and finish the statement by saying, to dig a ditch. It's time to dig a ditch. Now that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense where we're at right now, but I, my promise to you is, by the end of our time together, it will. You know, it's crazy that, to think that two years ago to the month that the world literally got turned on its head. And uh, people will ask me as a pastor, what was one of the most challenging things and biggest struggles maybe as a pastor? And I, I, right away, I, I knew. Like, I love the gathering. You know, the church, the ecclesi ecclesia, the gathering together. And we love the people watching online, but there's something supernatural that happens when we gather together. Amen? Amen. Does anybody believe something supernatural might happen today in the house of the God? No, no, no. Does anybody believe that something supernatural? Yeah. Yeah, I'm believing it. I am believing it. Well, when I got asked that question, I, I talked about preaching. And many pastors, as you probably know this, we went from preaching to crowds to preaching to like a camera in our living rooms. And, and that's different. And it's not as easy as you might think. And uh, one of the biggest struggles is when you get, they're, they're recording and there's maybe a couple people in your living room and they're recording it. And you get towards the end of the message, and you really are careful not to screw anything up because you've already got this far. And, and so I remember one day we're in my living room, and we're recording the weekend message. And uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're getting towards the end. In fact, I remember saying in the message, I was getting towards my closing. Now, now when a pastor says he's closing, that just means there's about 40 minutes left, okay? So just know that. So I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm getting towards the end. And I know that we're gonna, we're finishing up, and all of a sudden I hear this noise. And it's like, and I'm like, what is that noise? And I'm doing my best to not even think about it or, or filter it out because I'm like, I'm so close to, to being done with this message, but it will not go away. And, I, and pretty soon it's impacting the two people that are in my living room, and they're looking at each other and they're kind of grinning. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I, I'm not gonna make it. And I didn't. And finally I'm like, stop, cut. We'll just start over. And I'm thinking, what is that noise? And I look around, and at the end of the couch, I see my dog, Rudy, sitting there with his leg up, going to town, okay? I mean, I, my first thought was, dude, you gotta get a girlfriend. That's the number one thing. That's gotta happen, okay? My second thought is, you will never be invited back into this room when we're recording the message. It was horrible. Oh, that dog. Anyway, so, but it was a struggle. You guys, preaching into a camera is hard. So here's a question that I want to start today with. What is, like, not just in the whole two years, but how about just today? As you watch online, as you listen, as you sit in the room, what is your biggest need? Like, what is your biggest struggle? We all have them, right? And some of you, even as, even as I said your need, you might have thought, well, I need a job. Or, or, or I need a different job. Maybe, maybe you're miserable in your job, and when Sunday night hits, you get sick to your stomach because Monday's coming, and, and you, you think of ways to get out of it, and calling in sick, you just, you need something different with your job. 
Others, it might be finances. And you think, I just, I just need, uh, we just, if I just had more money, if I just, if we had more money, we could pay the bills that we need to pay. We could go on that vacation that we finally want to go on. For others, it's time. If I just had more time. If I had more time, I, I could get the things done that I need to get done. If I had more time, I could finally clean the entire house. By the way, I don't know where you're at in your walk of life. I can tell you, for me, here's the stage of life I'm at. The songs that I used to party to are now the songs that I clean my house to. Okay, I, it's weird. I'll be dusting like, bye, 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 you know. Actually, I did not party to NSYNC, okay? As far as you know. So anyway, so I, uh, what if I told you something about your greatest need? What if I told you on this day, where you're at with your greatest need, that your greatest need could become your greatest blessing? That your greatest need could become your greatest blessing? It's really all over the word of God. Today, I'm going to preach to you mainly out of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, we're going old school. We're going Old Testament. If you've got your Bible or your mobile app, I love when you go there because God's going to speak to you. And you want to highlight and you want to underline. And, and if you're like, oh, where is 2 Kings? I'll help you. It comes right after 1 Kings, okay? I'm here to help. So uh, he's a jerk. That's right. Get used to it. So uh, I'm kidding. So 2 Kings chapter 3. Now, as you turn there or click there, let me set it up. There's transitions going on in, in, in the Israel area, in the land of milk and honey. So they're, they're, in fact, we put up a map. I love visuals. This map will kind of show you the context that we have Israel, and then we have Judah, and then we have down here Edom, these three kingdoms. And over on the other side of the Dead Sea, we have Moab. That's really the context of today's message. Now, Israel's going through a transition. King Ahab, probably the most evil king that's ever existed, he is, he's, out of, he's transitioning out. He's gone from Israel. So they're getting a new king in. Moab, you see Moab over in, in purple. Moab, that king there, Misha, he sees an opportunity because Moab's kind of under the thumb of Israel. So now that Ahab's out of the way, Misha's thinking, all right, we're going we're gonna to get kind of un cut the cord from Israel and not be under their thumb because they had to pay them like 100,000 sheep a year and rams and all this stuff. And they're like, we don't want to do it anymore. So they see an opportunity. And the, other, the, other, the king of Israel know this is happening. So the king of Israel, the new king, gets with the king of Judah and gets with the king of, of Edom. And he says, hey, let, let's, let's kind of come together here. Let's, let's collaborate and go over and talk to that king. You know, just kind of talk some sense into him. So that's where we pick up this story. Here we go. For 2 Kings chapter 3. So the king of Israel, this is verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Right? They're, they're coming together. They march around, around about route seven days. Seven days they're marching. There's no water for the army, nor for the animals that follow them. They did not prepare well for this camping trip. Just one more reason I don't camp, right? So they're, they're camped, they're going under the Dead Sea into Moab, and they run out of water. You could say, they have a very specific need. So, we continue, verse 10. The king of Israel says, alas, the Lord has called us together to, to deliver us into the hand of Moab. So he's, I mean, he's literally blaming God for their situation. He didn't pack enough water, and now he's blaming God. 
We never do that, do we? We never blame God for something that's our fault. We don't do that. I mean, someone else does that, but I don't do that, right? Yeah, people are like, oh, I can't believe God would allow this to happen. Uh, God, every weekend I get headaches. They never happen at work, but they always happen on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, is that God? Or is it the eight beers and four shots of fireball that you drank last night? Seriously. Is it God? I don't think so. I mean, we blame God all the time for stuff that's on us. That's what they're doing. So, verse 11. But Jehoshaphat, okay, that baby name is still available if you want it, okay? Works for a guy, works for a girl. It's just, I'm just throwing that out there. Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah, by the way. He says, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire the Lord of him? In other words, in the Old Testament, many times, and some of you know this, that that God would speak through prophets, and the prophet would speak to their people. So Jehoshaphat's like, is there no prophet that we can get a word from the Lord? Is there none around? And one of the servants of the king of Israel says, hey, I, I think I know someone, Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He's here. You know, the one that poured the water on the hands of Elijah? And, and now no, know something, Elisha has just come on the scene. And, and, and if they were taking votes for a rookie of the year when it comes to prophets, he is the vote getter right now. He's, he came in. He's already parted the Jordan River. He's already spoke to a contaminated spring of water and made it clean. In fact, it's so crazy, you guys. I always say, you got to read the Word of God. Not only will it change your life and give you direction, but it's funny. Like, there's a story about Elisha in the Word of God where, no, apparently Elisha didn't have much up top. And by that, I mean hair. Like, he was bald. And we know that because the Bible says that these boys, uh, Elisha was around, and these boys are making fun of him for being bald. They're, they're, they're like, making fun of him. And Elisha didn't like it. So he curses them. And, and true story, you, you got to read the Bible. True story. He curses them. And when he curses them, two bears come out and maul the kids. Kill them. And I'm like, what the heck? That's crazy. What is the moral of the story? Don't make fun of your friends with receding hairlines, number one. Do not do that. But number two, as I read this story, I started to think to myself, I wonder what I would look like. So I say there's an app for that. There's an app for that. So here's a picture. Just to give you a visual, I just had a little bit of fun. So here's what I might look like. Okay, it, it wasn't that funny, okay? I'm just saying it was not. I will call the bears out. Dude, take it down, take it down. My God. So, I, uh, so there, it's, it's nuts though. So there, this is where we find ourselves. And Jehoshaphat says, the word of the Lord, verse 12, the word of the Lord is with him, Elisha. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, Edom, those three kings, they go down to Elisha. Understand something now. These kings, they're, they're not good kings, Okay, you, they were evil as well. They weren't following the, the God of Israel. Jehoshaphat, if anyone were decent, it was him. He, was, he wasn't as bad as the other ones, but he still made bad decisions. So, but that's where they find themselves. But now what are they doing? They're, they're crying out to God. Oh God, oh, we, we know we haven't talked to you. We know we haven't served you. We know you haven't been our God any other time. But now we need you to show up through Elisha. I mean, you ever, you ever said, you know, God, you do this for me. I'll never do it again. I, how many times have I said that? A lot. I remember I grew up in a town called Salem, South Dakota, and small town. And I went pre-Jesus, pre-Jesus, so don't judge me. But I was uh, golfing with some friends, and we, we had a couple beers on the course. And I had to drive back to Sioux Falls, where I lived. And I'm driving back to Sioux Falls, and I had one of those moments of, oh, God, I'll never do it again. Because 10 miles out of Salem... I look in my rearview mirror, and what do I see? 
a cop. You've seen that same cop, haven't you? He's so mean. So yeah, I see the lights in my stomach. I mean, I almost lose all control of bodily function. I'm like, oh my God, God, I need you. And I'm praying. I'm praying to God, the Father. I'm praying to the Son. I'm praying to the Holy Spirit. I'm praying to adult Jesus, teenage Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. I don't care who shows up. I just need somebody. Well, I don't know which one of them showed up, but one of them did because I got a warning. So I get out of it, but, but <laughs> you're not going to believe this. 22 minutes later, I'm, not, I'm five miles from home. I look in the rearview mirror, and what do I see? I got picked up twice in 22 minutes, okay? I mean, I'm just that good. So I, uh, some people are like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yup, and sometimes the reason is I'm stupid. That's what, you know, I just... Are you kidding me? So, but we, we say, God will never do it again. That's what they're saying. God will never do it again. And Elisha knew their heart. And in verse 13, Elisha says, it says, then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? Like, go to the prophets of your mom and dad. You know, the other false gods, go to them. That's who you really worship. Ask them for help. And the king of Israel is still blaming God. He's saying, oh no, the Lord has called us together to deliver us. He's still on his just delusion of blaming God for their situation. And in verse 14, it says, and Elisha said, as the Lord of the hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I, have, I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor, nor see you. So it's crazy. What he's saying is, king of Israel, I don't like you. Uh, king of Edom, I don't like you. Jehoshaphat, because, I, he's, because he's okay, uh, I'm still here. I'm still listening. And then he says something so bizarre. It's like, okay, how are you going to help him, Elisha? What are you going to do? And Elisha says, you know what? Bring me a musician. And they're like, what? I, I, okay, Elisha, you're, you're a man of God and all, but we don't need Lil Wayne. We need Lil Water, okay? It doesn't, it, I don't get it. What, what in the heck? A musician? So then it happened, it says, when the musician played, go figure, the Lord, the, the hand of the Lord came upon him, came upon Elisha, and Elisha says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor you shall not see rain, yet this valley shall be filled with water, so that your cattle and your animals may drink. And this, he adds this, and this matter is simple in the sight of the Lord. And then he throws this on top. Not only is he going to deliver you the water that you've been asking for, he will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. God, not only, not only do I want to meet your needs, God says, I want to exceed them. And this is what God does. They don't even ask for victory on, uh, for that king, but he gives it to them. And I think to myself, there it is. Your greatest need, their greatest need became their greatest blessing. How? They drew close to God. They listened to God. Your greatest need become, can become your greatest blessing when you draw close to God. It can and you know, when they, you know when they drew close to God? You know what they did? It was, it was the verse 16, if you missed it. That's when they did it. Or actually, it was right after that, but this set it up. It's when the Lord said through Elisha, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. I have a question. If they don't, if they don't dig the ditches, does God send them water? It's not on God, it's on them. 
If they don't dig the ditches, do they get victory over the king of Moab? I wrote it down. What water, what blessings, call it what it is, are being withheld from you and I because we're not digging ditches? Does God want to bless you, yes or no? He does. How many blessings are locked up in reservoirs, dammed up and not flowing because we're not digging a ditch? They dug a ditch. See, only God can send the water, but he expects you to dig a ditch. Only God can move mountains, but he expects you to grab a shovel. Some of you know maybe a little bit of my story and most of you probably don't, and that's okay. I'll tell you that um, I was a drug addict for, for years, even into my marriage, and hid it from everybody. Friends, family, wife, I just, for, uh, it's where I was at. And I remember in that drug addiction, I tell people, I, I, I literally played, prayed for sure hundreds, maybe thousands of times. And I meant every prayer. God, deliver me from this, from this mess. God, give me reprieve from, from this struggle. And I truly thought he, he will do it. Like, he, he can do it. And it never seemed to happen until I dug a ditch. Well, well, what do you mean until you dug a ditch? Well, one day I'm driving down 41st Street in the city that we're in, Sioux Falls, and I am, I am sometimes you got to get in the pen with the pigs before you're truly broken, and God will allow it. Well, this is where I find myself, and I am beside myself, but I'm still, you know, I still... And I'm praying. Here I am praying for the thousandth time. God, deliver me. Tears running down my cheeks as I'm driving. And God didn't say this, but he could have said it just like this. Dig a ditch. And what what he said that day was, you need to keep driving home and go tell your wife what's going on. And I'm like, like, wait a minute. Okay. You, You want me to drive home? And, and, and tell my wife that, you know, this whole three years has just been a facade and a double life and the lies, the manipulation and lying to the counselors and lying to the pastors. And, lying. and he's like, yep. And I was like, can you tell her? You know, it's like, I, I don't want to. You know, if I dig that ditch, she might bury me in it. That's what I was thinking. I mean, that ain't going to go well. And it was rough. Rougher on her than me. I'll tell you that. But I dug the ditch and I didn't stop there. I had to keep digging. And the next ditch that God said you need to dig is you need to get to rehab. I could have prayed about going to rehab. I could have uh, went to God and intercessed about rehab. But I, I, God's like, no, dig a ditch. Step into rehab. And I had to. And then it was dig a ditch. Go, go to 12-step programs. Go to recovery. And then it was, he kept telling me to dig these ditches and do these things. And I'm telling you, finally, I dug one of the biggest trenches I think I've ever dug. And it led all the way to 1000 South Sycamore Avenue to a church called Celebrate. And on that day, I'm telling you, my greatest need became my greatest blessing because God not only granted me sobriety, but he granted me salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, his plans are always better. They're always better. And it, don't miss this. It was God's miracle. He did it. But I had to participate. You get that? I had to prepare. I truly think, like, I don't, I'm, prayer is powerful. No doubt about it. But, but if I pray and I don't participate and I don't prepare, I mean, it's like a waste of time. And, but if I prepare 
and don't pray, it's a waste of energy, right? You need both. It's kind of like faith. Faith without works, they go together. Faith without works is what? You know that. You got to pray and you got to prepare and you got to participate. Elisha participated. The kings participated. Eventually the kings had to grab a shovel, didn't they? Well, I'm a king, man. I ain't grabbing no shovel. I ain't doing that. I don't know. The Lord kind of said, make the valley full of ditches. It ain't going to dig itself. And they had to participate. But let's be honest. There are miracles that we don't want to participate in. Like, what's one of the greatest miracles that we get to partake in? You, you and I both know this. Like, we get to partake in the, the, the miracle of, of uh, producing human beings, right? Is there any more, more miraculous thing than, a, than a, a, a baby boy or baby girl being born? And we get to play a part. But I'm going to tell you something. And, and, and my two youngest kids are over here, Jake and Ava, and they're like, oh my God, dad, don't make me do it. Okay, I won't, don't worry. So, but, but I, and I don't know which little one it was, if it was Jake or Ava, but one of them was being born and, and the doctor was down doing his thing. And I was up here by Jody doing what I was supposed to be doing. Come on, you can do it. And she's like, shut up, you know? So anyway, so uh, we're doing it. And all of a sudden, the miracle that, the, this great miracle, the little baby is born. And we're like, oh. And then the doctor does this and shows me. And my first thought was, my God, I hope the head doesn't stay that way. You know, it's like a football. I was like, God, stare, it's like an alien. Anyway, so it popped back into place. You're good now. So, but thank God. It was, and then, and then he says this. He wants me to participate in the miracle. And he's like, you want to cut the cord? And I was like, oh. I look at the cord. I'm like, that thing is slimy. And that thing is blood. I'm like, and I'm looking, I'm like, you know, I'm going to pass. Like, I'm going to, you can't actually move that. I'm going to pass out if you don't get that away from me. Like, like, doc, you do what you get paid to do, and I'll be over in the corner sucking my thumb, okay? I'm not doing it. I, that is the miracle. I participated in that childbirth miracle on the front end, okay? That was good. That was fun. I you do. Anyway, welcome to Celebrate Church. It's good to be here. So, all right. So. Here we, uh, here we go. Let, let's finish 2 Kings. Let's do this together. 2 Kings 3.20. So remember, remember what they said? Dig ditches. They dug the ditches. The valley was full of ditches. Here's what God does. Now it happened in the morning where the, when the grain offering was offered that suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly your life can change. When you dig a ditch, I'm telling you like that, everything can change in your life. Everything can change. Suddenly, it says, the water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. So, so God sends the provision. And it leads me to something that I need you to own this. Like, it, like if you hear nothing, else, own this. If you will do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. If you will do what you can do. See, my, 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 my thing is I don't think a lot of people will do what we can do. We, we put it on God, and then we might kick back and just kind of hide under prayer. And you got to have prayer. Prayer is grabbing the shovel, I think. That's, that's part of it, right? you got to have prayer. But, but the digging, I mean, if you will do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. What blessings are being withheld? Because we're not doing our part. God's doing his. We're not doing 
ours. And let's get practical. For some in the room today, for some watching online today, it's a relationship. It's maybe one that you're in or one that you want. And you've been praying, God, send me that right person. God, send me that soulmate, right? God, send me the person I can grow old with, the person that loves you, God, and, and will love me. And God, because you're a God of more, I pray that they're also hot, okay? Just, I'm just throwing it out there, you know, because you want that. So, but we pray. But here's the thing, you, and you know this, you attract who you are. So if you why don't, God will tell you, become who you want to, who you want to find. Become the person that you want to be with. So what if God is saying the ditch that you need to dig is get closer to God? You know, uh, you want someone who's in the word of God and loves the word of God? Get in the word of God. Love the word of God. We say all the time, 10 minutes a day in the word of God. 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. So get in the word of God. You want someone who's a prayer warrior? You become that prayer warrior. You want someone who's sold out to the bride of Christ, the local church? You become sold out to the bride of Christ. Stop making it something that you do on a weekend when nothing else is going on. But you, you come because, and it, by the way, church isn't a, isn't a place you go. It's who you are. It's who you are. Become that person and watch what God does. Parents, now I'm preaching to me and you. If I asked you what you want for your kids, what's your kid's greatest need? I mean, you're going to give the right answer. You're in church. You're like, I want my kids to love Jesus. And that's the right answer. Your number one job is to point your kids to Jesus. And we know this, and we pray about this, but are you digging ditches? Like, I, like God convicted me on this one, big time. Like, like I, I was writing down stuff like God's word. I mean, am I getting my kids in God's word? Am I getting my kids in prayer? Am I checking my kids into kids' ministry where they're getting Jesus on their level, and I come in here and get Jesus on my level? Am I getting my teenagers to youth where they can get other kids and get around the body of Christ? Am I modeling that? Am I doing that? And here's where it got convicting. And I wrote this down. And this was for me, but some of you, you might, it might help you. God's like, Monty, the time you're spending are the ditches that you're digging when it comes to your family. And what, did it, what he meant was this. <laughs> I mean, he'll lay it on the line if you ask him, and he did. And he said, like, like we know a lot of parents are in activities and sports and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Ava's in tennis. Jake's in baseball. Like, like Ava, she, like you, and, and we learned something about tennis, didn't we, Ava? Like she, she was a freshman last year, made varsity, and we are so proud of her. But I'd never been to like a, a high school tennis match. And I didn't realize that it's not like going to a kid's baseball game or a football game where you can just be that belligerent parent. I mean, not me, but, but somebody else. But uh, anyways, so, and you're yelling and screaming, tennis, no one says anything. It's like freaking Wimbledon. I'm like, it's, it, this is high school tennis. We can't say, they're like, they hit a shot. We're like, hey, good shot, good shot, honey. You know, it's like, so, so Ava's playing this match. And Ava, I'll never forget it. The kids in tennis call the, their own shots. So there's no referee. So they just call it themselves. And Ava, he nails a shot down the line. And it paced the line. And I'm like, yes. And just as I say yes, I hear her opponent say, out. And I was like, liar. I mean, I didn't say that, but I thought it. Actually, if I would have said everything I thought, Ava, you would never be in tennis again, and I would never be in ministry. We would be kicked out. I was like, are you kidding me? So anyway, so, but, but I'm, I'm all about activities and sportsmanship, but God's like, Monty, Ava's in tennis from 3.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. 
I'm, not, I'm no math major, but I do know that's 10 hours. I can figure that much out. Are you investing 10 hours of me in her? 10 hours of me in her? Church is an hour. She serves in the bride of Christ. She's in youth, a leader in our youth ministry. But that's not 10 hours. So if I'm not getting about the father's business and leading her and my kids and my wife to Jesus and we're getting in God's word together at home and we're praying together and we're worshiping together, think about that. I'll better say it one more time. The time that you're spending are the ditches that you're digging. And as Ava gets closer to college, if she goes, we hear more and more talk about it. And I wrote it down. A lot of parents, and I've been guilty, a lot of parents are more focused on where their kids are going to college rather than where they're going for eternity. And there's a problem with that, right? So, but, but let's, I mean, the ditches that we're digging, financial, it's a big one. I want God to bless my finances. I want God to, to, to again, help me have provision so I can do what he's called me to do. Well, you can pray that all day long, but until you get under the umbrella of God, it won't happen. The number one request we get at Meadows Church in the Omaha area, I'd say the number one request is financial. And people are upside down. And the first thing we do, like we'll, we'll sit down and we'll look at their expenses in a budget. First thing we'll ask, where are you giving? And they're like, I'm not giving anywhere. I mean, we're here to, to figure that out. And I said, we'll never figure it out until we get into the Father's business of giving back to him. And so preaching with you, not at you, because it took me many, many, many steps. Like some of you, you don't have to dig at Valley of Ditches when it comes to being financially set free. You just have to start with one scoop. And it might be, you know what? You've never returned back to God what's his in the bride of Christ. It's one of the last things I gave to God, trusted him with my kids before I trusted him with my money. And he's saying, you know what? Maybe you start by giving 10 bucks a week. And it ain't much, but it's a scoop. And then pretty soon it's, uh, you're up to a percent. And then you're up to 2%. And you're up to 3%. And it's these ditches. And pretty soon the valley's full of ditches. And God has this water. And when I say water and blessings, don't think money. Okay? God is way bigger than that. That's one way he can bless you, but he's so much bigger than that. But, but, but when you get to this tie, this 10%, it's amazing. Because and maybe you've heard this. I wrote it down. You know, the 90% with God's blessing go farther than the 100% without. In other words, God is saying, when you're faithful with a little, I will bless you with more. In other words, you dig the ditch, I'll send the rain. That's what he says. Did I spit on you? It was close. It was close. We got to get ponchos for the front row. Anyway, so yeah, well, that was, I'm sorry. So <laughs> she's baptized. Okay, no, maybe not. So whatever. I, uh, I... You know, ditch digging can be overwhelming. We talk about this. Ditch, ditch digging dreams big, but it starts small. How did they dig a valley full of ditches? I've already told you. One scoop at a time. That's how they did it. It didn't just happen. It took time for them to dig those ditches. I, I mean, and maybe I'm talking to our home churches, planters, ministers. No, when I say minister, I'm talking to every one of you that has the Holy Spirit in you. Understand that. You are a minister. Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. When I got saved at Celebrate Church, I started serving in the kids' ministry, third through fifth grade. Dug a ditch. Started serving there. And that wasn't easy, okay? And that was not easy. See, I'd rather preach to you than them. Because, because they'll, they'll tell it like it is. 
Like if I suck, they'll be like, you suck. And they did. So I'm like, all right. So they'll just say it. But I dug a ditch. And pretty soon I'm not just leading the kids, but I'm leading the adults that are leading the kids. And then I'm digging more ditches. And this wasn't my plan. I guess it was God's. But pretty soon I'm, I'm on staff overseeing a kid's ministry. And I'm like, this is, was never my plan. But God's plans are always better. I just kept digging ditches and doing what God's calling me to do. And I dug a ditch and pretty soon I'm a, a campus pastor at a campus across town. And I kept digging ditches and pretty soon we're packing bags and we're getting ready to move three hours south to Omaha. And it started with one scoop. It started with one little spoonful. What God wants to do in your life. And, and by the way, ditch digging isn't just saying, gosh, I'm going to dig a ditch and I, I hope God shows up. No. You dig a ditch and you know what you're saying? I expect my God to show up. I know that my God will show up. I trust that God will show up. That's what you're saying. And today, God, I think, is telling somebody, if you will show me your faith, I will show you my faithfulness. This is what he does time again. He'll do it in your life if you let him. We all want supernatural. Do the natural. That's your job. God will do the super. He always does. It's what he does. What blessings are being withheld because you're not digging a ditch? Let me close. You know what that means. <laughs> In John 9, one of the most bizarre miracles I've ever read about. Jesus is on the scene, and he's doing a lot of miracles, and he has a big following. And people are following, and honestly, let's call it what it is. They're following for what they can get. I want to be healed. I want to be fed. I want... Are you following Jesus for what you can get or what you can give? So, so they're following Jesus, and a blind man comes up. Well, we know what this means. A miracle is going to happen. And I can imagine the disciples are like, oh, my gosh, there's a blind guy, and there's Jesus. I know what's going to happen. Hey, guys, get over here. It's going to happen. It's been a little bit, but Jesus is going to do something crazy. Guys, get over here. Jesus, he's going to do something nuts. It's going to be a miracle. And the people gather, and they're gathering around. And they got their phones out, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get it. It's going to go viral. I'm going to be in it. It's like, Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you scoot over just a little? Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, so, so they're getting ready to record the miracle. And they're excited about it. And here's Jesus with the blind man. And all of a sudden, they hit record. And, and they're like, all right, Jesus, go ahead and do it. And Jesus is like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Two. And they're like, what the crap? I think I'll just delete that and start over, Jesus. It's okay. You probably just have a cold. Go again. And Jesus is like down in the mud, rubbing his spit in the mud. And then he starts smearing it all over the guy's eyes. And the person back there is like, you know, I think I'll just skip this one. We'll get the next one, Jesus. We'll get the next one. And Jesus is just in the mess, in the mud. Church. And he starts smearing it on the guy's eyes. And then he says something weird. He says, all right, now go and wash your eyes back in a pool. I don't know how far the pool was or where the guy had to go. But what Jesus was saying to the man in that moment, he was saying, okay, go dig a ditch. And I'm sure the guy could be like, wait a minute. Like, Come on, Jesus. I've heard stories about you. You heal people that aren't even physically with you. You've spoke to me. You've touched me. Why would I have to go way over there? It doesn't make sense. Why can't I just, just wipe, wipe the mud off? And then it's good. 
But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, go back and dig a ditch. So he gets up and he does it. And a man that's never seen color, never seen creation, sees. I don't know if this part, this, is in, this isn't in the Bible. This is my take now. Here's what I think about the miracle. I don't think the man started to get his sight restored when Jesus started speaking. I don't think it happened. I think when Jesus spit in the mud, the sight wasn't coming back. I don't think. I think when Jesus started to smear the mud all over his eyes, I don't think things were starting to clear up. Even when he started walking back to the pool, I think he was blind as blind could be. I think when he got to the pool and he started washing and wiping and washing and he opened his eyes, I think it was after he dug the ditch that he could see. And it's crazy that religious people miss it, but they always do. They always do. And they're like, they're, this guy's never seen in his life. Can you imagine? Oh my God. And they're like, well, how'd this happen? Who did this? I bet it was Jesus, that heathen, that sinner. And you know what the guy said? I think it's John 9, 25. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I was blind. But today I see. I was blind. Touched by the Lord. Have you been touched by Jesus? He wants to touch you. He wants to do See, the gospel, Jesus dug his ditch all the way up Calvary to a cross. And he went on it for you and I. He did something that you and I can't do. You can't die for the sins of the world and neither can I. He did it. So he digs this ditch, hangs on a cross. And I'm telling you something. When Jesus hung on the cross and he's, oh God, when he's hanging up there, this lump of flesh, even though he told them, I'm going to die and come back to life. I'm going to die and come back to life. I'm going to, he told them over and over. You know, it doesn't matter. You know what they're not thinking when they're looking at that, that, that body? They're not thinking, you know, I think he's going to bounce back. You know, I, I think it's going to be okay. Band-Aid, IV, he'll be fine. No, they're, not, they're thinking, okay, he's going to do what all dead people do. Stay dead. And, and they take it down. They put him in the tomb, right? And here's how we know they were thinking that because three days later, there was no party waiting for him. There was no booth set up, no autograph place set up, no balloons. Well, there was no countdown. Oh, this Jesus said he's coming back to life. Ten, nine, eight. No one's doing that. Do you know what they're doing? Women are walking to the tomb with what? Spices. To do what? Anoint a dead body. Nobody. When he stopped breathing, everybody stopped believing. But Jesus, three days later, what does he do? They get to the tomb, and he's not there. Why? Because Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the devil. I'm telling you, you should get a little louder than that because that's the greatest miracle in history. This is why we have hope. So, but, but understand something, and this is key. Did Jesus Christ die for everybody? Yeah. John 3, 316, died for the world. God's grace covers everybody? Yes. So everybody goes to heaven? Oh, so, so there must be a ditch that we have to dig. 
We are saved by God's grace through faith. And faith is what? Faith is always action. I'm not saying you earn your salvation. Understand that. We are saved by, grace is a done deal. Your faith, my burden, and I know it's Pastor Keith too, our burden is that many people have been to churches all their life. Many people have prayed a prayer, and I'm not saying praying salvation prayers are bad, but I'm saying praying a special prayer doesn't save you. It's an indicator that you're saved. So people, have, they know about Jesus, but they, they haven't been touched by Jesus. You know what I mean? They haven't been touched. My prayer is that Christ will touch you today. That by faith you will call on his name. I don't care that you know about him. Do you know him? And does he know you? You can call on his name. The Bible says, if you believe in Jesus, call on his name, ask him to come into you and make you new, forgive your sins, he'll do it. Your faith is what saves you. It's amazing. So, the church has launched, Meadows Church. How did it launch? You. You did it. Your ditch-digging faith launches a church in Omaha, Nebraska. We're meeting, we started, it's funny, because five years ago we moved, four and a half years ago we launched. We're meeting in a house basement, a rented house basement. And I was, I, we had faith, we were digging ditches. God's gonna do it, we're inviting, we're loving, we're gr doing group, worshiping. But I had doubts, because at the end of the day, we were still inviting people to a strange neighborhood to come into a house, come down to our basement where we do church. There's the Kool-Aid, just take a big gulp, it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I'm telling you, the day the doorbell rings and we open the door and they're, they said, we're here for church. And I'm like, you are? I mean, I mean, of course you are. Come on in. Join the crowd, you know? And then another one came. And then another one came. And pretty soon we moved from a house to a business break room. And pretty soon we moved from a break room to an event center for the official launch of Metals Church. And we started seeing salvations. And people are digging ditches with their faith and getting saved. And we're like, this is amazing. And it was slow going. It wasn't like a valley of ditches right away. It was a scoop. It was a scoop. But, but here we are, a valley later, four and a half years later in that first decision and that second decision. And now we're four and a half years, four and a half years in. And last Sunday, we eclipsed 500 decisions for Jesus Christ. You're ditch digging. You're ditch digging. Say it's time. Shout it's time. It's time for you and I to do something today. It is time for you and I to grab our shovels and start digging ditches. Because if you will do what you can do, your God will do what you cannot. And if you believe it, shout about it like God is your Savior, like He is your Lord. He loves you. He died for you. Give Him glory. It's His miracle that you're participating. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for a church that is full of ditch diggers. God, what's our next step? That's our next step. Some are gonna walk over to the sticky notes and start writing names of people they know that don't know Jesus. But you know what? They're not gonna stop there. They're gonna dig a ditch to that person 
and love them and take them out to eat and start a conversation and love, love, love. And we know that you will do what you can do because if we do what we can do, well, you'll do what we cannot. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in the name of our precious Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say amen, amen and amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.